Today's date is March 28, 2004, and uh, my name is Ping Pong Piro. <laughs> Ping Pang Piro, my daughter Ping Pong. Uh, praise God. It's uh, I don't know about for you guys, but it's been quite an adventurous month. It seems like uh, yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. But uh. Honest, really. Um, the past month, or really past six months, have been the most exciting that has been uh, probably since the, the day that I got born again. Uh, I've experienced more in Jesus, and Jesus has done things in my life that has made me grow by leaps and bounds more than I've ever seen before. Uh, it's been quite an adventure. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk about it much more to come. Look at the leaning tower of pulpit. <laughs> Start <a> kit. <laughs> um, but it's been it's been fascinating and and just exciting to to now be part of the fulfillment of what Jesus has been working. Years, even with you know David and I's relationship, uh, me and David Hall, we rode together back and forth to the southeastern, and just that instance. Uh, though sometimes I would not often snooze for a while, um, enabled us to form a unique bond. And you know, you see people leave and go out of your life, and you just kind of wonder, man, will I ever see them again? But uh, there are certain ones that Jesus I know has put in my life. They put a seed of a special relationship with them. That I, I knew they, I would eventually work with them or be with them again. I didn't know how, but I knew it would happen again. Uh, so anyway, today's message is going to be titled, Natural Means for a Supernatural Blessing. So uh, get out your checkbooks and let's prove to God. <laughs> uh, let's go to Hebrews 11. is actually in part my testimony of what Jesus has been doing for the past six months, or really the past seven years, ten years. Um, but it's really come to fruition and, I, and applied to my life in the past uh, couple of months in, in a strong case. It was one thing to be single and believe God to come through in a financial manner or in a, waiting for a supernatural blessing in a, in, into a natural situation. Uh, because it was just me, it was only myself at risk, and already, you know, studying the word that hey, my life is not my own; it's into Jesus, and I'm willing to, to give it up, even to the point of shedding blood and dying for whatever Jesus tells me to do. It's another thing when you have family tagging along behind you, and uh, <laughs> it requires a little bit more faith because there's a lot more at risk. But with greater risk comes greater faith. And as we, as we get into the message, we'll see the progression of faith in our individual lives and what it eventually leads to until the day that we die. Uh, and then fulfillment by dying in it. Uh, just a, a statement, I guess it would define or clarify uh, the, the title of the message, is that 
man applying his faith in the natural results gives results in, in actions occurring in the supernatural. Meaning that you apply something that's intangible and it will result in something that's tangible. I remember uh, on the radio years ago when I would sit down and study, I uh, forgot who it was, but an awesome man of God said that one statement and it stuck in my mind, it stuck in my heart, and it gave me the revelation that faith is something that really is tangible because it causes things that shouldn't be to be. We be? All right. <laughs> We're all very familiar with this, but it never hurts to, to be reminded. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And I think we were talking last night, and we talked quite a few times. Uh, for instance, you think of your grandfather. You think of you know some of your ancestors, and you just got this persona about them that they existed in another time. Things weren't the same. People weren't the same. Environment wasn't the same. So therefore, their lives weren't the same. It's hard to relate as, they, as you go further back. Well, this clearly says that the ancients were commended for their faith and their application of faith. In, the, in other places in the Word, in Romans 4 and even in Hebrews, uh, or in Romans 4 and 3, it says that Abraham is the father of our faith. So, if Abraham acted certain ways by applying his faith, we will too because we are the children of Abraham because we participate in the same faith. There's nothing different. Um, you study the timeline. You study Roman history. You study uh, Chinese history. Whatever culture you see man existing at whatever time period, beginning from Adam, sin was at work in man. It was at work in mankind and on the earth and the universe. So... Where you'll find that same sin, you'll find the acts of sin. So when we think about past times, like the 50s, the 40s, to be honest with you, uh, I think that people were more God-fearing in America, not as the world. We can't view the 50s, or we can't view the world in the 50s light. We view America in the 50s light. I think that people were more God-fearing, and it says sin has been increasing, but sin was still at work in men. Wicked things still did happen. And for the most part, everyone wore a very churchy face. They wore a facade of godliness. Uh, whereas, you know, they go to church and participate and do the part and say the right things. But, you know, if you were a spirit-filled Christian at that point, you would realize that they didn't say it with the power. They didn't say it with the anointing as the spirit led them. They were saying it in a very religious tone. Um, so... One of the unique things we always quote about Hebrews 11.1 1 is that, you know, the definition of faith. We ensure what we hope for and certain what we don't see. Well, this morning as I began to read, I was like, wait a minute. You know, we always want to view Scripture by Scripture and understand where is the author coming from? Why did, he, why did he put this? And obviously we know that, you know, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses, but there's a flow. There's, there's a reason why he put this there. So we'll back up uh, further in uh, 10. Uh, 10. Actually, 10... Now, my, my title says a call to persevere. Is that what everyone else says? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, like we sang in the song, by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way open for us through the curtain. That was the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. That is his body, which then typified Jesus. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Now, there are many times when our hearts condemn us. And what's, what's the solution? What's the formula to overcome that? Well, I go back to the Word and I realize who I am in Jesus. I realize the mercy and grace that I've received through the blood of Jesus. And therefore, my heart is sprinkled from a guilty conscience. And I go right into the, throat, the present, or throne room or presence of God. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The word. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful or full of faith. Let us and, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And it, it, it goes into uh, the, the sin and the result of sin and involvement uh, with the covenant, but I want to skip down to uh, 32. Remember those earlier days after you received the light, when you stood your ground in the great contest in the face of suffering. Wow, that's pretty common throughout the word. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. That same thing is, is absolutely legitimate and applied to our life. Uh, at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Uh, a real life instance, not necessarily to that degree, but uh, me and a group of guys were riding in the car and we were coming off of a high in, in Jesus. Just got through worshiping. It was awesome. So we're full of joy and full of faith. Well, we're trying to get somewhere. There's a deadline, I think, like 1030 at night. It was like 1025. The tire blows on the car. My natural reaction would have been to get frustrated and gripe and grumble and murmur. But because we had just come out of this throne room and this interaction with Jesus, we were full of faith and we were reminded of his character and who he was in us. So we just began to rejoice that you know, these bad things were happening. Because I think we were going to some place to minister to somebody at 1030. And we had to be there by 1030. And as we did this in a joyful attitude, everything just fell right in place, changing the tire. Within like, really, like two or three minutes, the tire was off and a new one was on. There's a group of guys, too, which helped. But uh, with our joy, we overcame the situation. Or we endured suffering or some form of resistance. Uh, you sympathize with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you, you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. You got the big mansion. <laughs> so, because of what? Why so? Because you knew that you yourselves have a better and lasting possession. So, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, the will of God, not the will of man, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, or what does y'all's footnote say on that righteous one? 
but the righteous will live by faith. Now we'll read further on to some of the, the definitions of the faith in conjunction with Hebrews 11.1. 1. But this, this is a, a concrete block that should be for every single parts of our life, every, everybody's life, that I do not live by what I see. I cannot. I'll be consumed, I'll be overcome, and I'll be devastated. I've got to live by faith, which is ensuring what I hope for and certainly what I don't see. Now we're going to get, we'll, we'll, we'll go to some other scriptures, but just a brief statement. Faith can't be generated on your part alone, by no means. If it is, then it's not faith. It's self-trust. Um, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So from that one statement alone, let's see, the righteous or the righteous ones will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So therefore, God is pleased with those who live by faith. Now, uh, with all that said, then we come into uh, verse 39. But we're not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And then he goes into that definition of, of faith. We are those who believe and are saved, just as the, the ancients were, and we walk in the same faith that they did to fulfill the will of God, that Jesus, what Jesus had tasked them to do or called them to do in their life. Um, let's go to Romans 10. I'm sorry, Romans 4. We'll go to uh, verse 13. Now, um, right above that, we see scripturally it proves, um, but we also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Uh, Just a real cliff note, he's the father of the circumcised and of the uncircumcised. So he's therefore able to cover Jews and Gentiles. Verse 13. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. And we, we, I know we talked about this or we heard a lot uh, that statement that is associated with Abraham. And it was uh, credited to, to Abraham's account righteousness because of his faith as we hear the word of God it springs up faith within us by that faith becoming something natural or tangible in us it produces fruit which is a display of the righteousness that exists within us Uh, it goes further down now let's go to uh, Romans uh, 10 Verse verse 16. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So, therefore, as we begin to hear the word of God, not just, I'll use this carefully, 
as I read God's word, I get revelation. I get understanding. And it's the foundation or the, the guideline that I use <clears throat> to judge everything that, that I supposedly hear from God. If, uh, if Jesus tells, tells Eric, you know, now that you started this church, in order to really have my presence, you need to put stained glass in, in all four corners of, of the, the room. Well, that's not necessarily a word from God because we're able to go back and look in the word and see that that's not required for the presence of God to be here. So it's, it's my canon or, or it's my ruler that I measure everything by. But in the instance of uh, starting this church, of fulfilling God's will on a day-by-day basis, I am led by the Spirit. And as I'm led by the Spirit, I receive a continuation of this message. It's of how to fulfill the will of God in my life. So, like back in August, whenever we stood in, uh, me and Cassie stood in Eric and Jen's bedroom, and, and I looked at Cass and I said, do you feel like, and she finished my statement, we, we need to be here? I was like, yeah. But, and she finished the remainder of that statement, it's not time yet? I said, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. And we left Houston, going back to Baton Rouge, with this, this new message this new word that the Holy Spirit has spoken inside our hearts about what was to come as far as the will of God in my life. And as we began to try and fulfill it, I, we used the word as a guideline to make sure that we were on track and going to accomplish it, that I didn't get outside of, of his will by trying to do it in my own strength. I know from the word that, okay, I'm led by the Spirit, so therefore I will trust that he will fulfill the things ahead of me. And Jesus was so awesome about it. He put us in certain situations that removed all control, every single bit of it, so that he would get all the glory. And I, and I remember you know, we prayed in the very beginning of, of making the journey over here that due to uh, either any doubts that would come up in my own mind later on or anyone else's, I wanted Jesus to show himself faithful and show himself as the one who called the P. Rose to Houston. Faith then became, at that point, a tangible substance. Uh, it's hard to, to really, uh, I wish I had like a little rock, but it really is. It's, it's a foundation that the, the next phase in our life, the will of God began to build on. So anytime I meant resistance, I, I was not distracted by it. I wasn't hindered by it. I wasn't overcome by it because really I could see up and above and over it to the end product. Faith sees the end product despite of what's in between. Um, and if uh, so some guy said, I think it's on some TV show, but it, it's pretty good. Uh, bravety is, uh, the man with bravety is the man who has the clearest vision. Meaning that a, someone is willing to take great risk. Why? To be a fool? Uh, not exactly. They take great risk risk because they know what they're after. Exactly. What it will produce. So therefore, I, I will not fret if it, if it comes down to, you know, I will lose everything if, if Jesus doesn't come through. I'm able to stand up and stand firm, full of faith, because Jesus spoke to me. He spoke to Cass that I'm going to fulfill this. Don't worry about it. And, uh, and, to be honest with you, as we get into those resistant uh, situations, the number one thing that would really melt away all that worry and all my obstacles in front of me would be as I would worship. 
as I would worship, it would bring me back to that, that foundation. It would bring me back to that solid rock that he began to build on and remind me, I'm in total control. I'm here with you. Don't worry about it. And then I come away refreshed. And that's, you know, no different than anyone else's life. I'm sure there are times when Abraham, after waiting so many years of God to fulfill him, you know, there were times when he would just go and walk and just look at the stars again. Gee, God gave him a tangible reference for his faith. And he does the same thing for each one of us. This guitar right here is my tangible reference. Um, I'll go ahead and say it in, into the mic for recording purposes. But as we were praying about, you know, when to, to leave Baton Rouge and come to Houston, uh, it just, you know, Jesus, you know, me and Cass were leaving church and said, Jesus, please do this thing. We don't know when, but, you know, we just want to pray about it. And it flew out of my mouth. I said, hey, you know what? You know, I need a new guitar. That's kind of my fleece, you know. You re- okay, I, w- I wanted <laughs> a new guitar. I really did. I wanted a new guitar. But, you know, for years I've never complained about the one I have. It's just, you know, this is good and it sounds great. It's a beautiful guitar. Uh, but it's more like I want to I wanted to make sure, okay, 95% of me, I know this is Jesus, but for some reason, I still got five percent that is more in awe and shock, and is not complete in my faith. And I was like, uh, "Okay, I just want to see." Well, a week and a half later, uh, somebody comes up to me and hands me a guitar and says, "A week and a half ago, I was praying. Jesus laid you on my heart and told me to give you a guitar." There was my tangible reference. Did I have to have that? No. I, w- I was still heading in the direction of I don't care. You know what's in my way or what I don't have, I will continue to do God's will. But it was pretty cool that He did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there really was. Uh, in the natural, He was putting a pickup in it. Uh, right. We talked about a little bit about this last night. But whenever you have two parties that are doing their best to be in tune or in fellowship with the Spirit, whenever something is requested, the other one is on guard, ready to hear and receive and act. Like we talked about, we had a little discussion last night about when you pray, what does exactly happen? Like if you were to peel back all the blinders and see into the spiritual realm, what happens? Well, we know from, the, from Daniel that as soon as you pray, it's heard. But then comes the, the carrying out of the uh, spiritual warfare, you know, removing any kind of hindrances. Um, so, you know, the same thing take, take, takes place in our life. And there's this awesome book, you know, His, His President of Darkness, and uh, I think there's a, a sequel to it, Piercing the Darkness. Uh, and the, the guy just does a great job of explaining uh, in a fictional way of some of the things that encounter in the spiritual realm. But... Uh, Let's go to uh, uh, 10, Romans 10.10. 10. You should be right there. But if you could, cast, open up the complete Jewish Bible. Um, man, if you could read, you have the NIV, right? Oh, yeah, most holy version. Go ahead and read uh, verse 10.10. 10. We've heard that since we were, you know, knee high, just 
if he had any church exposure, that was the part of the Roman road to salvation, and it became a, a repetitious, you know, mantra. Well, read it in the complete Jewish Bible, okay? Is that awesome or what? Now let me read it. I'm going to read it to the mic. <laughs> this is for you people on the, uh, the listening side. <laughs> for with the heart one goes on trusting and thus continues towards righteousness. Now they substitute trust with, uh, or faith with trust. So, right, it really is. And we read earlier that we enter the throne room of God by righteousness, that, or we receive the promises and also enter the throne room by righteousness that comes through faith. So this says, for with the heart one goes on trusting and thus continues towards righteousness, while with the mouth one keeps on making public acknowledgement and thus continues towards deliverance. Deliverance is not complete until your body is dead and you're completely delivered from sin and with the, or in, fully in the presence of Jesus. And to be honest with you, it's completely fulfilled when we receive our glorified bodies. And sin is completely done away with. Uh, beginning with salvation, going back to faith became, becoming a tangible thing. In salvation, think about when, whenever you're saved in, in reference to this scripture, there's this intangible thing that exists out there. It is Jesus, the message of Jesus, and even though he was bodied, it's the word being uh, something that's not physical. But when it's spoken into our hearts, it causes faith to rise up and produces this natural thing. As it produces this natural thing of confessing with my mouth and also believing in my heart, those two in conjunction, it produces acts of righteousness. So you can say this natural seed, this natural means of faith becoming tangible in my life produces supernatural events. It produces the fruit of the Spirit and then even into the gifts of the Spirit. Well, the next one would be baptism. Then we participate in this natural means of being uh, baptized for repentance, but it's also you're doing a natural means that produces a supernatural event. You're proclaiming to the heavens you belong to Jesus and that you are leaving what is past and going on towards what is ahead. It's a proclamation to the heavens. Now, that's something that we can't see with our eyes, but I know I do feel in my spirit. As part of my own testimony, I was saved for three months. I mean, in my bedroom, I confessed with my mouth and I believed in my heart. At that instant, my spirit was renewed fully with Jesus' spirit and I was born again. And then began to produce acts of righteousness I was no longer control or sin was no longer my master. That's the major supernatural event. Um, and three months later, I began to feel like something wasn't complete in my walk. Not that I wasn't saved, but wasn't complete. Well, in front of my school, I was able to be baptized. And after that baptism, I went home. No man told me what to do. I went throughout my entire room, and just like during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I found all the little things that reminded me of the world or that I saw as a, a hindrance to my walk, something that would grow and be a weakness and produce something that I didn't want to. 
And I took it all, put it in a garbage bag, and threw it away. Did not care how much it cost. No man told me to do that. But after I associated myself and made a pro- with Jesus and made a proclamation to the heavens that this association is true, I'm serious about it, and also to my peers, but really to the heavens, then this supernatural thing happened of an act of righteousness. And then we move into being filled with the Spirit, or baptized into the Spirit. Now, obviously, you know, as we know how those things work. By no means can the Holy Ghost, well, he can, but usually he does not take your tongue and flap it like a sheep in the wind and make you speak in tongues. I absolutely believe that would happen the first couple of times I got prayed for to be filled with the Spirit. I thought that Jesus would make my mouth move. I speak, or I spoketh in faith, and Jesus added the supernatural event to it. It's a means, uh, or it's like we said, a natural means for a supernatural event. If you, we're going to get into it, but as you see, almost every single miracle that Jesus ever did, he made the man or woman apply something natural, and then exponentially capitalized on it on their faith and did something supernatural. That's exactly it. And. <laughs> if we go back to the father of faith, Abraham, you know, that there are several things. But as he had that knife drawn and was about to, to run Isaac through, uh, in his heart, his son was dead. Absolutely dead. His faith then produced righteousness at that very point. But, I mean, it had been before because he believed God. But at that point, the angel stopped him. Then you then from this natural act came a supernatural blessing of saving his son, even though he cruci- or crucified, even though he killed him in his heart, and Jesus and God provided a sacrifice, the ram caught in the thicket. Well, let's uh, just go to one of the, the another baptisms, the baptism of suffering, First Peter four. Exactly. That's exactly right. Right. And uh, and we've we've heard this a lot too, but I'm really trying to go in detail and go beyond the automatic thinking of some of the things in the word. Faith without works is dead. That summarizes the the, the title of the message. But because we hear it all the time, it, it gets easily shuffled to the side. But faith without natural means or natural actions, you could directly substitute it, is dead. <laughs> right, exactly. First Peter 4.14. Let's go to 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. (laughs) 
But what are we called to do? Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Now he's talking about, we'll read further on, persecution. <laughs> Just because, uh, you know, you have to declare bankruptcy and, you know, uh, you bonk your head on the corner of the table, that's not necessarily the sufferings of Christ. You know? It's a persecution. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. Or, in another translation, on your shoulders. Um, there was an event that took place where uh, someone was, was being uh, insulted or persecuted because they were handing out tracts. And I physically saw the, the change in, in the countenance in this person that they went from just being normal, you know, hand out tracks, talking about Jesus, and this anointing and this glory began to come on their shoulders. Whenever Jesus has, uh, has called you or put you in a situation to endure something because you are accomplishing his will. Now, you know, I, I, I did say, you know, persecution. That's what Peter is talking about. But we look at the overall spectrum of even into James 1, you know, you'll endure trials of many kinds. Uh, as we begin to advance God's will, we meet resistance. But with that resistance comes this glory, comes this anointing to endure the resistance and overcome it. I, I mean, really, um, there were times when we would start to endure something, and there would be, for an instant, uh, or sometimes for a while, this overwhelming feeling that, oh, man, is it really going to happen? Is this really going to work? And, you know, will we overcome it? But then that glory, that anointing would come down or come upon me and encourage me and pick me back up and say, no, you know, you will not be overcome. You will overcome it. Um, and in, in light, you, we read in Revelation, each one of the churches, uh, it, it, you know, it's told of them to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. And that's exactly what we're called to do. We're called to be more than conquerors through faith in the promises that Jesus has made us. Um, Hebrews 11.35 In light of, of suffering and why or, or to get a, a good perspective on it's okay to suffer. It's okay to be insulted. It's okay to be Persecuted because of Jesus in our life. This is that clear vision. This is that overall goal that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, it's kind of picking up in the middle of something, but women receive back their dead, Hebrews 11:35, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released. That's what, that's pretty powerful. You know, someone said you can go or you know just recant and. We'll call it quits and you'll be okay. No, I'm going to refuse to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Uh, you know, it's my goal not only to uh, sit on a harp, I mean, sit on a cloud and play a harp. It's my goal to have a glorified body, to accomplish the full will of God. But where the opportunity arises, I do and I can have a, uh, an event that I accomplish that will give me a better resurrection more glory uh, to be given to Jesus uh, and we always are is 
talk about the guy in Vietnam who nobody knows about that's a spirit-filled believer because he may have gotten, you know, one book in the Bible that was sectioned off and torn out and given to him. He reads it, believes, and becomes a martyr, you know, in, in the rice fields because he loves Jesus versus the, the televangelist on TV asking for your money. Uh, the, the guy on TV, you know, may enter the kingdom naked and bare by the skin of his teeth, but when you start comparing the two, more likely the guy who's the martyr that loved Jesus with everything he had to be a nobody will receive a better resurrection. Um, and with that, Hebrews 11.6. It gets no clearer than that, that being sure what I hope for and certain of what I do not see pleases God, to put it in, in another statement. Being clear of the vision and clear of the will of God and certain that He will fulfill it is pleasing to Him. And as we read earlier, to shrink back is not pleasing to Him. Uh, let me read it from the, the complete Jewish Bible. Um, and without trusting, it is impossible to be well-pleasing to God because whoever approaches him must trust that he does exist and that he becomes a rewarder of those who seek him out. Uh, it's one thing to, I guess, just to inquire about God every now and then and you know, go to church, sing some songs, and you know, kind of have a ho-hum walk. It's another thing to earnestly seek him out. That means with all your diligence and strength and might, finding out what pleases God and finding out how to be more like Him, how to, can I decrease and how can He increase. And that's, that's something that is part of spurring one another towards love and good deeds. It's not, it is my sole responsibility. When I stand before Jesus, I, can, I can't give uh, any excuse for why I did not accomplish something. It's it absolutely my responsibility. But with that same thing in mind, we are a body and we love each other and we want to see each other stand before Jesus and accomplish what we were called to do as, and because we encouraged each other, because we spurred one another on towards love and good deeds. Uh, let's go to Matthew 9, 1. back to the, the case of it's really <laughs> you see, you see the, the, the hand of Jesus or the hand of God working throughout time but really during the time of Jesus' life on earth the miracles that take place and the, the natural things that occurred prior to the supernatural being fulfilled now if all we have is the book of Matthew the scripture we're about to read would kind of have to wonder or leave you in the dark a little bit. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralytic 
laying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, with just that information, you say, Well, you know, they brought him a paralytic. You know, what's, how did he see their faith? Did he see into the spiritual realm and saw their, their aura? Oh, they got lots of faith. Well, let's go to Mark uh, 2. It's the same account. It gives a little bit more detailed information. Two verse three, or verse one. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that, there, that he had come home. So many gathered that oh, the, so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Now he was delivering the message. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. Now, they not only heard the word he was speaking then, they knew of him, and they knew of what he had been doing and been preaching. They had heard the message through someone else. It's no different than you and I proclaiming who Jesus is without them actually hearing it directly from him. They had heard the word and sprung up faith. That faith caused them to carry this man to the meeting for one. Then we see what else it caused them to do. Right. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the, lowered the, mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, that's when he saw their faith. He saw their persistence. He saw their diligence in applying the faith that sprung up from the message that they had received. No one would endure fighting through the crowd, you know, the resistance, unless they believe that something could actually happen once they got there. No one could believe that a church started in a garage with a handful of people could actually accomplish the will of God, but only those who were called to it, who received the message and apply their faith in it. <laughs> right. Action and in truth. Uh, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, he said that also to Jira, the Pharisees. <laughs> Later on, he tells the guy, Pick up your mat and walk, which is another step of a natural means for a supernatural blessing. But it all began with these guys receiving the message faith rising up, the faith causing action in a natural means, even though, you know, you think about it in logic terms. Placing somebody through a hole in the roof with four guys and put them on the ground on his mat, would that make him get up and walk? No. But it's a, dis, it's, it's a, it's a, dis, a display of their faith in what Jesus could do after they had performed that natural action. Uh, a personal testimony was whenever Jesus called me to leave uh, one denominational church and be and join another. Uh, there was a, a mission trip we were supposed to go on. The only natural means I had of raising money, you know, my mom didn't didn't wasn't able to supply it. Only natural means I had was to sell candy, world's finest chocolates. Uh, I thought they would sell better than they did because <laughs> they're so good. Uh, and I had to employ uh, some uh, marketing tactics. 
by bringing my three-year-old uh, sister with me to sell them door to door. They see this little girl, cute round face and a box of chocolates. Will you buy some for me? And it worked every time. Right? <laughs> the starving kids in you know Mongolia. Um, so I was able to raise thirty-five dollars, and this is when it really came into practice in my life in the very beginning. I said, Jesus, all I got is 35 bucks. You got to make, make up the rest. I need like 350. That's right. And within two weeks, he multiplied it. Somebody donated money to my name, and I was able to go on the trip. That instance was, uh, you know, just a huge milestone in my life that if I begin the work in faith and natural, regardless of its outcome alone, Jesus will add the rest, just like the five loaves and two fish. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to Mark 5. I really really want to... (laughs) Right, right. It requires something, a sacrifice. Verse uh, 24, well, right after 24. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Wow, that sounds like today. Hmm, how are we any different? Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, there came the message. There came the word. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Natural, supernatural. If I touch, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Then we we get into the the details with the disciples after that. But once again, the natural means for a supernatural blessing. Now Jesus could have come up to her and just waved his hand and and said, you know, Mikaleka ha, Mikahani ho, and all her bleeding stopped and everything was great. Hocus pocus. (laughs) But Jesus, because it is impossible to please God without faith, we apply our faith that pleases God when we see his supernatural means move. And to be honest with you, it keeps us, one just natural way of looking at it, keeps us from taking his power for granted. It requires something. Second uh, Corinthians 13. I'm sure I'll have to get the tape <laughs> and so I encourage myself in about another six months. Thirteen one. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any others. 
I'm not supposed to offend anybody. Since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me, he is not weak in dealing with you. Now, he said he, meaning Jesus, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. And so will we once we resurrect in our new body. We will live with him to serve you. Here it is. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Another scripture says we are to have sober judgment about ourselves. Meaning that it's not drunken or deluded or distorted by anything else. Our own concepts and minds, emotions, whatever. But uh, as we begin to walk in this faith and continue to walk and advance God's will in this building, in this church, we are going to constantly examine ourselves, examine our faith, are our motives true for what we're doing, and holding each other accountable and spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. So I just wanted to share just some of the things that Jesus had been working in, in me personally and in my home and with our lives and share the testimony of him getting us here. It's, I'm still in shock. I'm still just kind of numb. It's kind of like, okay, we're really living in Houston. I travel the Beltway. I go to work. You know, we go to Cafe Adobe. I'm in Houston. It's cool. <laughs> but uh, am I really here? Yeah, but the thing that makes it more and more real is stuff like this. As we experience God's presence together and, you know, get to grow in his word and see his will advance, uh, man, we're going to continue to add on and and see God's will accomplished. So